0: Chapter 17 of Planet of the Damned by Harry Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17. Do you mean what you said about giving up? Leah asked. Brian realized that she had stopped talking to Ulv some time ago and had been listening to his conversation with Kraft. He shrugged, trying to put his feeling into words. We've tried and almost succeeded, but if they won't listen, what can we do? What can one man possibly do against a fleet loaded with H bombs? As if in answer to the question, Old's voice drowned him out. The harsh, disson words slashing the silence of the room. "You, you, the enemy," he said kill you O um, he shouted the last word and his hand flashed to his belt in a single motion he lifted his blowgun and placed it to his lips a tiny dart quivered in the already dead flesh of the creature in the magter skull the action had all the symbolism of a broken lance the declaration of war Ove understands it a lot better than you might think leah said He knows things about symbiosis and mutualism that would get him a job as a lecturer in any university on earth He knows just what the brain symbiote is and what it does They even have a word for it one that never appeared in our disson language lessons a Life form that you can live with or cooperate with is called Medverk one that works to destroy you is um he also understands that life forms can change and be Medvirk or Umedvirk at different times. He has just decided that the brain symbiote is Umedvirk, and he is out to kill it. So will the rest of the Disans as soon as he can show them the evidence and explain. You're sure of this? Brian asked, interested in spite of himself. Positive. The distance have an absolute attitude towards survival. You should realize that Not the same as the magter, but not much different in the results They will kill the brain symbiotes even if it means killing every magter who harbors one If that's the case we can't leave now Brian said With these words it suddenly became clear what he had to do the ship is coming down now from the fleet Get in it and take the body of the Magter. I won't go. Where will you be? She asked, shocked. Fighting the Magter. My presence on the planet means that Kraft won't keep his threat to drop the bombs any earlier than the midnight deadline. That would be deliberately murdering me. I doubt if my presence past midnight will stop him, but it should keep the bombs away at least until then. What will you accomplish besides committing suicide Leah pleaded you just told me how a single man can't stop the bombs What will happen to you at midnight? I'll be dead, but in spite of that. I can't run away not now. I Must do everything possible right up until the last instant Olfa and I will go to the magta tower try to find out if the bombs are there he will fight on our side now he may even know more about the bombs things that he didn't want to tell me before We can get help from his people Some of them must know where the bombs are being native to this planet Leah started to say something, but he rushed on drowning out her words You have just as big a job Show the magter to Kraft. explain the significance of the brain parasite to him Try to get him to talk to highs about the last raid try to get him to hold off the attack I'll keep the radio with me and as soon as I know anything I'll call in this is all last resort finger in the dike kind of stuff but it is all we can do because if we do nothing it means the end of dis Leah tried to argue with him but he wouldn't listen to her he only kissed her and with a lightness he did not feel tried to convince her that everything would be all right In their hearts, they both knew it wouldn't be, but they left it that way because it was the least painful solution. A sudden rumbling shook the building, and the windows darkened as a ship settled in the street outside. The Nijord crew came in with guns pointed, alert for anything. After a little convincing, they took the cadaver, as well as Leah, when they lifted ship. Brian watched the spacer become a pinpoint in the sky and vanish He tried to shake off the feeling that this was the last time he would see any of them Let's get out of here fast he told Ulf, picking up the radio before anyone comes around to see why the ship landed What will you do? Ulf asked as they went down the street towards the desert What can we do in the few hours we have left? He pointed at the sun nearing the horizon. Brian shifted the weight of the radio to his other hand before replying. Get to the Magtar tower we raided last night. That's the best chance the bombs might be there unless you know where the bombs are? Oh shook his head. I do not know, but some of my people may. We will capture a Magtar then kill him. So they can all see the oom um network. Then they will tell us everything they know The tower first then for bombs or a sample magter. What's the fastest way we can get there? Ulv frowned in thought If you can drive one of the cars the off-worlders use I know where there are some locked in buildings in this city None of my people know how they are made to move I can work them. Let's go Chance was with them this time The first sand car they found still had the keys in the lock It was battery powered but contained a full charge Much quieter than the heavy atomic cars. It sped smoothly out of the city and across the sand Ahead of them the Sun sank in a red wave of color. It was six o'clock by the time they reached the tower it was seven And Brian's nerves felt as if they were writhing under his skin. Even though it looked like suicide, attacking the tower brought blessed relief. It was movement and action, and for moments at a time he forgot the bombs hanging over his head. The attack was nerve wrackingly anticlimactic. They used the main entrance, Ulv ranging soundlessly ahead. There was no one in sight. Once inside, they crept down toward the lower rooms where the radiation had been detected. Only gradually did they realize that the Magter Tower was completely empty. Everyone gone, Olf grunted, sniffing the air in every room that they passed. Many Magter were here earlier, but they are gone now. Do they often desert their towers? Brian asked. Never. I have never heard of it happening before I can think of no reason why they should do a thing like this Well, I can Brian told him They would leave their home if they took something with them of greater value the bombs If the bombs were hidden here, they might move them after the attack Sudden fear hit him or they might move them because it is time to take them to the launcher Let's get out of here, the quickest way we can. I smell air from outside, Ulf said, coming from down there. This cannot be, because the Magdar have no entrance this low in their towers. We blasted one earlier. That could be it. Can you find it? Moonlight shone ahead as they turned an angle of the corridor, and stars were visible through the gaping openings in the wall. It looks bigger than it was, Brian said as if the magter had enlarged it he looked through and saw the tracks on the sand outside as if they had enlarged it to bring something bulky up from below and carried it away in whatever made those tracks using the opening themselves they ran back to the sand car Brian grounded fiercely around and turned the headlights on the tracks there were the marks of a sand cars treads half obscured by thin unmarked wheel tracks He turned off the lights and forced himself to move slowly and to do an accurate job a Quick glimpse at his watch showed him. There were four hours left to go The moonlight was bright enough to illuminate the tracks Driving with one hand he turned on the radio transmitter already set for crafts wavelength when the operator acknowledged his signal Brian reported what they had discovered and his conclusions. Get that message to Commander Kraft now. I can't wait to talk to him. I'm following the tracks. He killed the transmission and stamped on the accelerator. The sand car churned and bounced down the track. They are going to the mountains, he said some time later, as the tracks still pointed straight ahead. There are caves there and many magter have been seen near them. That is what I have heard The guess was correct Before nine o'clock the ground humped into a range of foothills and the darker masses of mountains could be seen behind them rising up to obscure the stars Stop the car here Oh said the caves begin not too far ahead there may be magter watching or listening, so we must go quietly. Brian followed the deep-cut grooves, carrying the radio. Ove came and went on both sides silently, as a shadow, scouting for hidden watchers. As far as he could discover, there were none. By nine thirty, Brian realized they had deserted the sandcar too soon. The tracks wound on and on, and seemed to have no end. They passed some caves which Ulve pointed out to him, but the tracks never stopped. Time was running out, and the nightmare stumbling through the darkness continued. More caves ahead, Ulve said. Go quietly. They came cautiously to the crest of a hill. As They had done so many times already and looked into the shadow valley beyond Sand covered the valley floor and the light of the setting moon shone over the tracks at a flat angle marking them off sharply as lines of shadow They ran straight across the sandy valley and disappeared into the dark mouth of a cave on the far side Sinking back behind the hilltop Brian covered the pilot light with his hand and turned on the transmitter Olve stayed above him staring at the opening of the cave This is an important message. Brian whispered into the mic. Please record He repeated this for 30 seconds glancing at his watch to make sure of the time Since the seconds of waiting stretched a minute in his brain Then as clearly as possible without raising his voice above a whisper He told of the discovery of the tracks and the cave The bombs may or may not be in here, but we are going in to find out I'll leave my personal transmitter here with the broadcast power turned on so you can home on its signal That will give you a directional beacon to find the cave I'm taking the other radio in it has more power if we can't get back to the entrance, I'll try a signal from inside I doubt if you will hear it because of the rock, but I'll try. End of transmission. Don't try to answer me because I have the receiver turned off. There are no earphones on this set, and the speaker would be too loud here. He switched off, held his thumb on the button for an instant, then flicked it back on. Goodbye, Leah, he said, and killed the power for good. They circled and reached the rocky wall of the cliff. Creeping silently in the shadows, they slipped up on the dark entrance of the cave. Nothing moved ahead, and there was no sound from the entrance of the cave. Brian glanced at his watch and was instantly sorry. Ten-thirty. The last shelter concealing them was five meters from the cave. They started to rise to rush the final distance, when Olv suddenly waved Brian down. He pointed to his nose, then to the cave. He could smell the magter there. A dark figure separated itself from the greater darkness of the cave mouth. Olv acted instantly. He stood up and his hand went to his mouth. Air hissed faintly through the tube in his hand. Without a sound, the Magder folded and fell to the ground. Before the body hit, Ulv crouched low and rushed in. There was the sudden scuffling of feet on the floor, then silence. Brian walked in, gun ready and alert, not knowing what he would find. His toe pushed against a body on the ground, and from the darkness, Ulv whispered, "'There were only two. We can go on now.' Finding their way through the cave was a maddening torture They had no light nor would they dare use one if they had There were no wheel marks to follow on the stone floor Without Ulv's sensitive nose. They would have been completely lost The cave branched and rejoined and they soon lost all sense of direction walking was almost impossible they had to grope with their hands before them like blind men, stumbling and falling against the rock. Their fingers were soon throbbing and raw from brushing against the rough walls. Olve followed the scent of the magter that hung in the air where they had passed. When it grew thin, he knew they had left the frequently used tunnels and entered deserted ones. They could only retrace their steps and start again in a different direction. More maddening than the walking was the way time was running out. Inexorably, the glowing hands crept around the face of Brian's watch until they stood at fifteen minutes before twelve. There is a light ahead, Ulv whispered, and Brian almost gasped with relief. They moved slowly and silently until they stood, concealed by the darkness. Looking out into a domed chamber brightly lit by glowing tubes What is it Olv asked blinking in the painful wash of illumination after the long darkness? Brian had to fight to control his voice to stop from shouting The cage with the metal webbing is a jump space generator the pointed silver things next to it are bombs of some kind Probably the cobalt bombs. We've found it! His first impulse was to instantly send the radio call that would stop the waiting fleet of H bombers. But an unconvincing message would be worse than no message at all. He had to describe exactly what he saw here so the Nyjorders would know he wasn't lying. What he told them had to fit exactly with the information they already had about the launcher and the bombs. The launcher had been jury-rigged from a ship's jump space generator. That was obvious. The generator and its controls were neatly cased and mounted. Cables ran from them to a roughly constructed cage of woven metal straps, hammered and bent into shape by hand. Three technicians were working on the equipment. Brian wondered what sort of bloodthirsty war lovers the Magter had found to handle the bombing for them. Then he saw the chains around their necks and the bloody wounds on their backs He still found it difficult to have any pity on them They had obviously been willing to accept money to destroy another planet or they wouldn't have been working here They had probably rebelled only when they had discovered how suicidal the attack would be 13 minutes to midnight cradling the radio against his chest Brian rose to his feet. He had a better view of the bombs now. There were twelve of them, alike as eggs from the same deadly clutch, pointed like the bow of a spacer. Each one swept smoothly back for its two meters of length to a sharply chopped-off end. They were obviously incomplete, the warheads of rockets. One had its base turned toward him. And he saw six projecting studs that could be used to attach it to the missing rocket. A circular inspection port was open in the flat base of the bomb. This was enough. With this description, the Nijarders would know he couldn't be lying about finding the bombs. Once they realized this, they couldn't destroy Dis without first trying to neutralize them. Brian carefully counted fifty paces before he stopped. He was far enough from the cavern so he couldn't be heard, and an angle of the cave cut off all light from behind him. With carefully controlled movements, he turned on the power, switched the set to transmit, and checked the broadcast frequency. All correct. Then, slowly and clearly, he described what he had seen in the cavern behind him. He kept his voice emotionless recounting facts leaving out anything that might be considered an opinion it was six minutes before midnight when he finished he thumbed the switch to receive and waited there was only silence slowly the empty quality of the silence penetrated his numbed mind there were no crackling atmospherics nor hiss of static even when he turned the power full on The mass of rock and earth of the mountain above was acting as a perfect grounding screen absorbing his signal even at maximum output They hadn't heard him The Nyjord fleet didn't know that the cobalt bombs had been discovered before their launching The attack would go ahead as planned even now the bomb bay doors were opening Armed H-bombs slung above the planet held in place only by their shackles In a few minutes the signal would be given and the shackles would spring open the bombs drop clear Killers Brian shouted into the microphone you wouldn't listen to reason you wouldn't listen to Hyes nor me or to any voice that suggested an alternative to complete destruction you are going to destroy dis and it's not necessary There were lots of ways you could have stopped it. You didn't do any of them and now it's too late You'll destroy dis and in turn this will destroy Nyjord. Igel said that and now I believe him You're just another damned failure in a galaxy full of failures He raised the radio above his head And sent it crashing into the rock floor. Then he was running back to Ulv, trying to run away from the realization that he too had tried and failed. The people on the surface of Dis had less than two minutes left to live. They didn't get my message, Brian said to Ulv. The radio won't work this far underground. Then the bombs will fall? Ulv asked. Looking searchingly at Brian's face in the dim reflected light from the cavern Unless something happens that we know nothing about the bombs will fall They said nothing after that they simply waited The three technicians in the cavern were also aware of the time They were calling to each other and trying to talk to the magter The emotionless parasite ridden brains of the magter saw no reason to stop work and they attempted to beat the men back to their tasks. In spite of the blows, they didn't go. They only gaped in horror as the clock hands moved remorselessly towards twelve. Even the magter dimly felt some of the significance of the occasion. They stopped too, and waited. The hour hand touched twelve on Brian's watch, then the minute hand. The second hand closed the gap and for a tenth of a second the three hands were one Then the second hand moved on Brian's immediate sensation of relief was washed away by the chilling realization that he was deep underground sound and Seismic waves were slow and the flare of atomic explosions couldn't be seen here if the bombs had been dropped at 12 They wouldn't know it at once a distant rumble filled the air. A moment later, the ground heaved under them, and the lights in the cavern flickered. Fine dust drifted down from the roof above. Olv turned to him, but Brian looked away. He could not face the accusation in the Dissen's eyes. End of Chapter 17.